So, good morning. My name is Harry Strauss. I'm part of the pastoral team here at Forest Grove. And um, it is my privilege to bring scripture to you today as we look at scripture to get together. So, this is the first Sunday of a series entitled Fresh Encounters with uh, emphasis on prayer. The selected image of illustration, uh, you, I'm sure, have picked up on it already. Uh, for the series is that of a sailboat, which, of course, we have directly behind us. And the thought behind this is uh, how we set our sails uh, will determine our fresh encounters with God. And it's really up to us to set those sails appropriately. And as we set those sails appropriately, then we are more likely to have fresh encounters with God. Uh, One of the ways in which to set our sails and capture the wind of the Spirit is the discipline of praying the Scriptures, uh, which I have been asked to speak on. Uh, We, when you think about praying the Scriptures, we can pray any portion of Scripture. Uh, Anywhere in the Old Testament, anywhere in the New Testament, I can equally pray back to God uh, passages out of Scripture, out of Genesis, as I could out of Revelation. Uh, But our message focus today will be on uh, the prayer book that has been used by the church over the last 2,000 years, which is uh, the Psalms. And uh, that is the passage, portion of scripture that we'll be looking at. So what's the value of this? What's the importance of this? Uh, My guess is if I had a show of hands from you in terms of how many people struggle with prayer there would be many hands that would go up across this sanctuary where people struggle with prayer, where you recognize maybe it is not a priority or it's not as important as uh, you would like it to be. And maybe many days, uh, the most you have is, if anything at all, all, is maybe one or two minutes of prayer before God. And when we struggle with prayer and we're not engaged in prayer, we are less likely to experience fresh encounters with God. And for us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we want those fresh encounters with God. We want those points of interaction with God that are alive and fresh and new. And that we have something to say about our relationship with Jesus Christ that is new and dynamic to today. Uh, We want those. And a key to experiencing that is this whole matter of praying. And today we're going to come at it from the angle of Praying back scripture to to God. So our focus again for today is praying the Psalms. And we'll look at three Psalms as examples of how we can pray the Psalms back to God. So we'll look at one on praise. We'll look at one on lament. And we'll look at one on justice. So we'll be starting with Psalm 150. Then we'll go to Psalm 88. And then we'll go to Psalm 58. So three Thoughts. The first one is praying praise, is how I've termed it. Psalm 150, let's read those verses. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with a harp and lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with a resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
That verse, that opening phrase within Psalm 1, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, but that opening line, praise the Lord, in the Hebrew language is basically the word that we use, hallelujah. The same word that's used in Revelation chapter 19, and it means, as suggested here, praise the Lord. When we pause long enough to reflect on God, and to consider who he is and his works in our world, there is this impulse within us. And I think that's a fair word. There is this impulse within us where we jump forward and we want to shout out hallelujah when we understand that we consider God and we reflect on him. Just before Christmas, I took in an evening presentation on Leonard Cohen's music. Uh, the presentation, the two presenters spoke from a spiritual angle in terms of the spirituality behind his music. Uh, one of the songs, and many of you would be acquainted with it, would be uh, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. And the song is marked by ambiguity and certainly brokenness that is within the song as well. Yet in that brokenness, Cohen comes and declares, Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Now, the final stanza of that song, and I, I think it's the final stanza, at least that which was printed in the material that we were looking at as we were analyzing the song that evening, as these presenters were for the benefit of those of us who were listening. But um, there were five or six stanzas there. But the comment was made that Leonard Cohen has actually written about 80 different stanzas for this song. And so there's a great deal of poetry and music uh, associated with this song. But the final stanza that we had in front of us, uh, he says, and, and even though it went all wrong, spoke, speaking really of the brokenness in his life, and already speaking of it as just as in the past tense, he says, I'll stand before the Lord of songs, his understanding of who God is, with a nothing on my tongue but hallelujah. And then he goes on with the, with the rest of the song, hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, with that song. Psalm 150 invites us to declare our hallelujahs to God. And we have the Christian conviction, we have the conviction that Christ is here, we have the revelation of the New Testament as a part of this. And as we reflect on God by way of Scripture and also our engagement in the created world, there is this invitation and there's this impulse within us as, as we understand who God is, and as we're praying to him, that we would be praying to God, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. As we read through the Psalms, as we pray through the Psalms, we will keep encountering this idea of praying praise back to God. Psalm 1, praise the Lord. Verse 1, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. Uh, when you look at that song, that very first verse, praise him in his sanctuary and praise him in his heavens, which suggests a certain measure of there's praise that's happening here and there's praise happening in heaven as well, which is very akin to the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, you get this sense of the invitation to worship on, on earth in the sanctuary, but just even as John is carried up into the heavens in Revelation chapter 4 and chapter 5, Equally, as we meditate and reflect on the book of Revelation, we are invited into the heavens. And so there's a sense in which at all times, even as we will have already been worshiping and will continue to worship, 
Uh, there's a sense in which we are involved in worshiping here in the sanctuary, but equally at the same time, we are there already in the heavens. And that would be consistent with the line in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So by faith, when I worship, when we are invited to worship here, we're not only worshiping here in the sanctuaries, but in a sense we're already lifted up into the heavens and we're in this wonderful experience of praising God equally in the heavens as well. When you look at Scripture, even this line here in verse 1, there's a certain measure of fluidity between earth and heaven. We're invited to also be thinking in terms of what is happening there in Revelation 4 and 5. I want to suggest to you that when we praise God, when we pray to God and we are praying praise, whether it is as individuals or as a large group of people, we are stepping into the real world in a way that cannot be matched. I have this illustration, and I've shared it here before, and also in a Sunday school setting, a little story from Eugene Peterson. Eugene Peterson is the writer of The Message. Uh, and um, he used to be a pastor for many years. He's retired now. But after a Sunday morning worship experience, and he was in the back of their church building, and his people were leaving, um, someone, one of the uh, lay person in the church, as he was going out, said, well... Pastor uh, uh, Eugene, uh, Peterson, that was a good message, but now back to the real world. And Eugene Peterson, when he heard that, he just bristled within himself. And he bristled because, yes, there is that world out there, the real world, where we engage vocationally in the marketplace of life or life generally. But Eugene Peterson's reaction was, I thought we were just in the real world as we were worshiping God. And the reality is, you know as as well as I do, especially my grandmother said that after you hit 30, the decades go like that. You know as well as I do how quickly life passes. Those of you who are younger than 30 or 40, maybe you don't realize that, but life flies really fast. And and ultimately, the reality is that which is in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, in the heavenlies. And any experience that we have to worship God and to praise Him and to reflect that even in our personal prayer lives as we're into Psalm 115, we're praying that back to God. We're entering the real world which will govern us and shape us and be who we are a part of for all eternity. Uh, So Psalm 150, there's this invitation to to pray praise and to make that a part of who we are when we are praying to God. The rest of the psalm talks about his acts of power, his surpassing greatness, the sounding of the trumpet, the harp, the timbrel, and dancing, strings and pipes, the clash of cymbals, the resounding cymbals. And then it concludes, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But how do we pray the psalms? And more specifically, how do we pray the psalms? So I I have three suggestions very briefly on each one. No, a second one will take a little bit more space. Uh, We can pray the words just as is. As you have your Bible open, you could read these. And there are many people who use the psalms and read them just as is. And that is their prayer expression before God. Second, we can pray the scripture, reshaping it into our own words. 
So I have actually, in the last year, been praying the Psalms as a key part of my prayer experience. So I'm going to demonstrate that to you. And as a possible way in terms of how you could be praying the Psalms as well. You can do this with all 150 Psalms. Uh, But uh, I will put this and I will pray this in the first person singular. Psalm 150. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, I praise you. I praise you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, I thank you for those times that I have opportunity to praise you in your sanctuary. Uh, When I come to Forest Grove Community Church and I engage in praise and worship with all the people that are here, God, I thank you for that. And I want to believe, and I believe by faith, O Lord Jesus Christ, that I am not only worshiping here, but equally I am worshiping somehow mystically in the heavenly realms as well. I want to celebrate that. I want to believe that passage in Ephesians chapter 2, that I'm in the heavenlies. Lord Jesus, I want to praise you for your acts of power. I praise you for the created world. Lord Jesus, it says that there are four hundred 100 billion stars just in the Milky Way. Amazing. Lord Jesus, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you for your acts of power. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for the cross event and your provision for us in the cross event and what you did at the cross event for us and the resurrection. There is life beyond the coffin, and I thank you for that. I rejoice in that for me, for my family, and my and those that I know and loved ones and for believers all around the world, that there is life beyond the coffin. I thank you for your acts of power. I praise you for your surpassing greatness. I praise you, Lord Jesus. I thank you for those that play the trumpet and bring praise that way. I praise you, O Lord God. Thank you for those who play the harp. Thank you, Lord God, for the spirit of dancing within my heart. Praise you, O Lord God, for strings and pipes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him, O Lord God, where there is volume and intensity and energy with clashing cymbals. O Lord Jesus, I enter into this and I lend my breath to this to say hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So what was I doing there? I was taking Psalm 115, 150, and I was adapting it to myself. And you can do that with any psalm in within the scriptures. I personalize the prayer by shifting into the first person singular. I not and so doing I not only acknowledged God, but I was also interacting with God, and then I was connecting the psalm back to my own world. So three ways of praying the Psalms to pray it just as is, as it is written there. Second, to adapt it to yourself by using first person singular. And the third one is modified using someone else's wording. Wording. So if you're to go onto Amazon, come and look for praying the Psalms. There are all kinds of resources and books that would be there that you could buy. So this one that is on the screen here in a moment is one that I used a number of years ago and not using it right now. I have a copy of it here if you want to look it after, at it afterwards. But you can buy this book on Amazon.com for 20 bucks. It's an e-reader. You can buy it for $10. But uh, it is a a resource that you can take where someone has taken the Psalms and rewritten them primarily into the first person singular. And then you can use that resource to pray the Psalms back to God. So the Psalms of praise beckon us to worship God through our prayers and working through the Psalms. 
we'll encounter many psalms of praise. But life isn't exclusively praise, is it? The psalms also reflect laments. So we are going to make a dramatic shift here, which I feel that I have the liberty because in the book of Psalms, there are some really dramatic shifts that happen. So we're going to shift from praying praise now to praying lament. I don't know if you know this, but a third of the Psalms are marked by lament, characterized by lament, characterized by sadness, uh, described by one writer as disorientation in life, where life is not all that it should be. Life is marked by experiences such as unrealized dreams, broken dreams, dashed dreams, relational disappointments, relational disasters, depression, anxiety, fear, fear of death, fear of illness, loss, grieving, and of course the list could go on, all which point to disorientation in life. What do we do with our sadness? Do we hide sadness thinking that we need to be happy, clappy Christians 24-7? We can't do that. Life isn't like that. And the Psalms clearly give indication of that by the, the presence of a whole third of the Psalms having to do with sadness and lament. Now, the interesting thing is sadness can generate energy for prayer. Sadness can be a catalyst for prayer. With respect, again, to the Psalms, it's referred to as lament. So, in choosing a psalm of lament, I could choose a number of different psalms that we would look at, but I have chosen Psalm 88, which in my judgment is probably the darkest psalm out of the 150. So what I want to do is simply read it. I'm not going to adjust it as to a prayer. But if you were um, in the world of sadness, you're depressed, you're anxious, you're frustrated, something has not really worked out well in your life, and you are really down, this might be a good place to begin. Psalm 88. So I listen, you know, it's interesting. We had a sermon series here a number of years ago on the Psalms. And, um, and rather than people speaking, it was through the summer months, on your favorite psalms, we asked people to speak on psalms that are hardly known. And this was one of the ones that was done here at Forest Grove with Dick True speaking on Psalm 88. Here it is, 18 verses long. <clears throat> I'll just read it. I will not pause to make comments on this. Lord, you are the God who saves me. Day and night I cry out to you. May my prayer come before you. Turn your ear to my cry. I am overshadowed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm like the one without strength. I'm set apart with the dead like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from from your care. You have put me in the lowest pit, God, in the darkest depths. Your wrath lies heavily on me. You have overwhelmed me with all your waves. You have taken from me my closest friends and have made me repulsive to them. Oh, I'm confined and cannot escape. My eyes are dim with grief. Oh, I call to you, Lord, every day I spread up my hands to you. Do you show your wonders to the dead? Do their spirits rise up and praise you? Is your love declared in the grave, your faithfulness in destruction? 
Are your wonders known in the place of darkness or your righteous deeds in the land of oblivion? But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? From my youth I have suffered and being close to death I have borne your terrors and am in despair. Your wrath has swept over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. All day long they surround me like a flood. They have completely engulfed me. And now here's the final verse. You have taken from me, friend and neighbor, darkness is my closest friend. It ends on a very dreary note, on a very dark note. Darkness is my only companion. Not a lot of hope in this psalm, yet it is so helpful in that it provides language for us when we are in this reality and this world. Not only does it provide language, but it validates the feelings and experiences that people will sometimes go through where they are that low in life, as expressed in Psalm 88 where the concluding word is, darkness is my only companion. I, speaking of depression, it may well be what was motivating when this was the writer as this was put together. But as is true of the Psalms, not all is dark. As we pray the Psalms as a whole, we will keep bumping into, in the midst of these psalms of lament, we will keep bumping into messages of hope intermingled with that darkness. So, isn't it interesting that Psalm 89 um, was placed right after Psalm 88? And the very first word after this, darkness is my closest friend, and if a person were to continue reading then with Psalm 89... I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth I will make your faithfulness known through all generations. There is hope that comes there then. And that comes through the Psalms in a number of different places. With intermingled in these Psalms of, of, of lament and sadness, you get hope that is there. So Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 are both Psalms of lament. We're crying out to God, but... But why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And when we are praying the Psalms, and we have cause to be sad, and we have cause for lament, as we pray the Psalms, these Psalms can help us to fresh encounters with God. As we feel validated by, our feelings are validated, and there's language there for us to use, but then we keep bumping into these verses that appeal for hope and to put our hope and to trust in God. So there's praying lament. We, we can pray lament. Obviously, we're praying praise. And now the third example is that of praying justice. Uh, so we're making another shift here as we look at Scripture together. But Psalm 58 <clears throat> What makes you mad? What makes us mad? What makes us angry? Oftentimes it's associated with issues or where injustice involved. Injustice is involved. It could be issues close at hand. It could be issues abroad. The recent execution by ISIS of a number of people, 
made known by video is unsettling. And it can make us mad. Just, I know we're really removed from this, but it just, oh my goodness. And an emotional response is, where is the justice in this? Uh, closer to home and not as dramatic, but still related to ISIS, is the story of an Iraqi family that we would have seen, those of you who get the Star of Phoenix, of an Iraqi family that came to Saskatoon a couple of years ago after being threatened by ISIS. Their home was taken over with the following sprayed on their house. This was a Christian house. Now this is owned by ISIS, end quote. So again, you know, where's the, where's the justice in that in terms of them living in this nation and having that sprayed on their house and then uh, fearing for their lives and having to flee that country and then coming to Canada now in Saskatoon and residing here. But where is the justice because of the disorientation that they have experienced? As we pray the Psalms, we will come across prayers that call for justice. And Psalm 58 is one of those psalms. I'll read this. It's only 11 verses long. I'll make a few comments as we're walking through this. But encountering God includes his agenda. And sometimes our agenda with God is with prayer is us for and no more. And that only goes so far as far as fresh encounters with God is concerned. And in praying the Psalms, we engage with stuff that will pull us in new and different directions, such as praying for justice. Psalm 58, verse 1. Do you rulers indeed speak justly? Do you judge people with equity? No, in your hearts you devise injustice, and in your hands meet out violence on the earth. I have an ease, or I'm comfortable with coming to Psalm 58 and reading and praying the ISIS issue in the Psalm 58. Why do you people beat out violence on the earth? Why are you doing that? Even from birth, the wicked go astray. From the womb, they are wayward, spreading lies. Their venom is like the venom of a snake, like that of a cobra that has stopped its ears, that will not heed the tune of the charmer, however skillful the enchanter may be. Now, verse 6. We never pray like this, but break their teeth in their mouths, O God. You know, so there's anger that comes through. And there are expressions of life in our world, such as this whole ISIS, a mess, that would suggest there's a place to pray that, that there's anger there. Let them vanish like water that flows away when they draw the bow, let their arrows fall short. May they be like a slug that melts away as it moves along like a stillborn child that never sees the sun. Before your pots can feed the heat of the thorns, whether they be green or dry, the wicked will be swept away. The righteous will be glad when they are avenged, when they dip their feet in the blood of the wicked. Then people will say, surely the righteous still are rewarded. Surely there is a God who judges the earth. There are psalms that will call us to pray for justice. And it will become a part of our prayer theme as we're working through the book of Psalms and reading these Psalms and praying them back to God. We don't have time to look at the passages that are in Revelation, but I uh, suggest that a key piece within the book of Revelation is the whole question of justice. How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and you avenge our blood? And there are passages, if you were to read Revelation and look for those passages that speak to prayer, 
there's some phenomenal passages on prayer about how precious and how important are the prayers of God's people and their effectiveness as well. So there's Revelation chapter 5, verse 8, and then there's Revelation chapter 8, verses 3 to 5. So there is the sermon, praying the Psalms, praying praise, praying lament, and praying justice. And praying the Psalms will find new language and will broaden our perspectives. So the invitation is to be considered as one of a number of different ways of praying is to consider praying the Psalms. Before I conclude, i just say this one final thought as well. A resourcing opportunity. We're looking at Psalms in lifetime. Sunday mornings, 9.30 in the, in the lounge. And the greater your understanding of the Psalms, the greater the capacity for using it as a prayer book. And I know I joked around with you last week that it's such an ungodly hour, 9.30, but I want to suggest to you to step into a world where you learn the Psalms, the background, uh, can become a really godly experience for you. If it works for you, Dick True will be leading the class on Psalms next week. We invite you to be a part of that experience. Amen.